My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin, a spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. Self-care is never a selfish act. It is simply good stewardship of the only gift I have, the gift I was put on earth to offer to others. Parker Palmer. That is so true and beautifully said. I can see why today's guest included these wise words in her amazing book, Yes, I Have Herpes, A Gynecologist's Perspective in and Out of the Stirrups. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, everyone. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and I am thrilled to have the author, Dr. Sheila Lawanzen, in the studio to explore her personal journey with herpes as well as her professional expertise regarding a very common disease that continues to be stigmatized. Dr. Lawanzen is a board-certified obstetrician and gynecologist and a fellow of the American Congress of Obstetrics and Gynecology with over 15 years of professional and personal experience with the diagnosis of herpes as a physician and a patient. Dr. Lawanzen, I have to take my hat off to you so much because your book is beautiful. It is such an empowering read. It's full of hope. It's very digestible. And I so admire that you share your own personal experience as well as clinical know-how in this way that I think can help so many people. So thank you for being here and thank you for writing it. Thank you for having me. It's been a wonderful journey, so I'm glad to share it with other people. You know, it's so full of um, personal anecdotes and you actually start, you talk a little bit about your background and and actually learning. You were a pre-med student when you realized that you had herpes. Mm-hmm. I was in college, so I was 20 years old, uh, a youngster just trying to figure out what my sexuality even was. Um, and I did get herpes um, from ha- getting oral sex from my first real boyfriend. Um, so that was it was quite a shock. And most people, I think, don't realize that you can get herpes from oral sex. Yeah, it's actually one of the most common ways it can be transmitted. So um, genital herpes is actually can be caused by oral sex um, from someone who has cold sores. And um, cold sores is aka type 1 herpes. Which is interesting because so many people also have cold sores and they Mm -hmm. don't say... I have herpes usually, you know, it's, we tend to, I guess we've been taught that they're very different things, which is interesting. Absolutely. I even have some colleagues who went with me through med school who even said, wait a second, I could give my husband herpes just because I have cold sores. And I was like, oh, yes, girlfriend, yes. (laughs) And what were your symptoms like? So uh, when I was first diagnosed, it was actually very painful to urinate. Um, That was actually my first sign. I had never taken a mirror, didn't know actually what my anatomy was down there, Um, was ashamed of what could be down there because it just all seemed really mushy. And um, I... When I looked with a mirror, I saw small little ulcerations, and I realized that this isn't normal, and I should be seen by the um, college nurse. So you went to the nurse, Mm -hmm. and when did you actually realize? Because she didn't say 
the word herpes at first, right? No, she just kind of took a culture and said, well, we'll see. I think it could be herpes. I'm not really sure. We have to wait for the culture, but you seem to be in a lot of pain. So let's just go ahead and start treating you. And, um, you know, I had no idea what it was. We didn't have the internet, so I didn't, I couldn't Google anything. Um, so it was just kind of like a I think this is supposed to be a bad thing, and I'm and I don't think I can talk about it. So, I remember going to the cafeteria afterwards, sitting with my girlfriends, and they're just like, "Hey, didn't you go to the nurse?" And I was like, "Yeah, but they said they did cultures, and they'll just tell me later." Wow. So you hadn't learned much about Mm-mm. STDs or your sexuality growing up? No, I. I remember something vaguely, I think, maybe in third and fourth grade when you're supposed to learn about sex, but I just remember feeling red-faced and not really paying attention and just trying not to look at my friends. So, um, And I think that that's probably the culture of most people as they've gone through middle school is not really getting that strong sexual understanding until they're really faced with it. Sure. And when you realize that you did have herpes... What was your initial reaction? Did you start a medication? Yeah, so I started the antiviral medication, which is uh, what I encourage. Um, it just helps to decrease the length of the uh, outbreak, um, decrease shedding to other people, um, speeds up the process, and um, just really makes you feel like you're treating it. And so I went to my boyfriend at the time, and I just said, "Hey, this is what it what it is," and he's just like. Uh, did I do that to you? Um, and so we, it was a learning process for both of us because we really had not understood what it, where it could go. That's amazing that given that you hadn't learned very much, that you did have the wherewithal to talk to your partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually have a question r- exactly related to that. Mm-hmm. Um, each week we answer a question with the help of our resident sex and relationship expert, Dr. Megan Fleming of greatlifegreatsex.com. And this question actually came from a message board and ties so well into what we're talking about today. With Kristen's permission, here is what she wrote. She said, I'm freaking out because I was just diagnosed with herpes and I'm pretty sure I got it from my ex. I'm dating someone new and I'm terrified of telling him. We've only slept together a few times and used condoms. I should tell him, right? I was too stunned and embarrassed to ask my doctor about that. Also, if so, what should I say? Thank you for your question, Erica. I think it's a really, really important one. Here is what Dr. Megan had to say. I appreciate your question and the challenge that you're facing. Um, you know, I think anytime anyone has an STD, uh, and in particular, uh, herpes still has a lot of unfortunate stigma in our culture. There, you know, is it sort of a lot of emotions that can come around that and certainly how and when to disclose to a partner. First, I think it's important to recognize, um, it sounds like you yourself were shocked by the diagnosis and, uh, it's really common, you know, it's, um, According to the ASHA, which is the American Sexual Health Association, one in five have the herpes virus, and yet 90% typically don't even know they have it. And it's really important to recognize as someone who has uh, herpes that, you know, knowledge is power. And, you know, in some states, there's actually, uh, there's laws actually in New York where I am that there's a duty to warn about having an STD. And certainly, um, they're, again, not necessarily criminal lawsuits, but civil lawsuits of negligence or personal injury. And really it's about, you know, not in, in any way causing harm, uh, to another person. And so 
you absolutely have uh, sort of an ethical and then sort of from a place of personal integrity, in my mind, uh, sort of duty to let someone you're dating know about your diagnosis. And I think it's important that you know, in going into that conversation, you sort of arm yourself with information. You really sort of practice it, rehearse it, think about the questions and answers. Certainly, maybe know um, and research sort of top websites for information. I think that, um, you know, again, it, it's really to think of it not as a definitive conversation, uh, but generally it's something going to be a series of conversations because there are going to be questions over time. And it sounds like in this case, you've already had sex with your partner. Again, ideally, it is a conversation that you have before someone becomes physically intimate. Um, because although you're using condoms and that will help uh, sort of prevent transmission, there is something what we even refer to as asymptomatic shedding. So even when if someone's never had a genital outbreak, does not mean that they can't transmit the virus. And so it's also true, as you know, or I'm sure you're finding out that there's... Um, you know, medications, you know, from a lifestyle and health and future perspective, this is a very treatable, manageable disease. And as I said, again, it's just really, I think, mostly addressing the stigma around it being sexually transmitted. Um, and I'm willing to bet perhaps your ex didn't know, but it really is a responsibility to let other partners know so that they can make their own choices. And that, again, you both can make decisions that work for you both. Um, so, I really hope that you also recognize when, if worst case scenario, he doesn't respond well to this conversation that, you know, for some, they find it's easier almost to start dating others who already have the virus. And in fact, there are a number of herpes dating apps and websites out there. So it's something for you to just keep in the back of your mind, perhaps for the future. Um, in fact, I know there's even a, a ranking of the top 10 herpes dating sites uh, that's part of the herpes daily sites review. So something you might want to check out when and if worst case it doesn't work out with, you know, the current guy you're seeing. But I hope that most people recognize that when you really have a caring and loving relationship, that you take precautions and uh, people with herpes certainly do find love, relationship and marriage. So um, wishing you the best. And, uh, you know, as I always say, let us know how it goes. Thank you so much, Dr. Megan. I didn't know that there were herpes dating sites. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's actually one of the more popular dating sites that are coming out. There are ones for just STDs, so people with HIV, um, people with HPV or abnormal pap smears, and uh, more recently coming through are herpes dating sites. Oh, beautiful. Mm -hmm. That's great to have that option and to know yeah. that you are meeting people who you know, have not only the same condition that you've been experiencing, but have that understanding and that openness and yeah. and freedom within that and still respecting each other's health and wellness and all of that. But that's really interesting. Absolutely. I think it's, it just helps to connect because a lot of people just feel alone. Mm. And so sometimes even just having another person um, that they can identify with and go through the experience together, I will say that um, some, some uh, advocates for it really love having that opportunity to provide 
people the the space to connect. Um, and then other people would say that it's actually just perpetuating the stigma because it's putting people into a space saying there's something unique about you. You should be dating in a different pool. Oh, interesting. So it's kind of it's 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 back and forth. And really, I think it depends on what the space that people are in. I will say I met my current partner, a wonderful boyfriend from a large dating site that was not herpes oriented. Awesome. So go with what makes the most sense for you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. In the end, I think uh, most of us would just encourage people to find love and partnership regardless of wherever they're at. So whatever space that is for them. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that you share in your book, you talk about, so you, you are open with your partner when, when you found out you had herpes and it did affect you moving forward. And and you said you did not allow yourself truly to understand kind of the gravity of, of what you've been diagnosed with. And you say something that is so honest and and beautiful about a time when you didn't tell a partner, which, mm-hmm. you know, you said there had not been flare ups and stuff like that. And I think mm-hmm. so many people are in that space. Mm-hmm. And you wrote this beautiful bit Uh, I was afraid that he was going to leave. I was afraid he was going to judge me for not being honest. I wanted him to feel punishment for not being honest with me because he actually told you Mm -hmm. he had herpes Mm -hmm. um, and in a way punished myself. I wanted him to be indebted to me so he could never leave me. I wanted to be a victim. I did not want to embrace a diagnosis that I struggled to accept. I think that's so powerful and I do think so many people relate to it and very few people speak about it. Mm -hmm. Would you talk about that kind of what the complexities of of whether to share and kind of the guilt and shame that that brings up you know herpes comes with a whirlwind of emotions and stigmas and things that you really have to process through and you know the college nurse a physician who's diagnosing you in the office it's it's a big topic to go through. And so I really had wanted to keep it very superficial and present myself as a perfect person. And I didn't want to get into that space where I have a flaw and I also did not share my truth. And now here's this person breaking down in front of me. And I just, I I couldn't bring myself there. And I think that's the biggest thing about my book is realizing that there are people out there who are strong physically on the outside. And this this, um, virus can really put you in a space that you just can't feel comfortable to speak out about. Mm. Um, and so that was a learning opportunity for me. Um, it's it's not one of my best shining moments in my life. Um, of course, if I could go back, I would change how I approach the situation. Um, but it, it's it's a growth thing. And, and I just, I apologize for my actions. And you got to a place where you really were able to speak, not only speak about it openly, but share your story and really infuse a sense of hope in people who are struggling in similar ways, whether it's herpes or something else that's stigmatized, because certainly there's so many other issues and Mm -hmm. conditions that are. What were some of the pivotal turning points for you where you started to really take those growth leaps forward? Well, I decided that um, I had had a series of relationships that did not work out. And I finally realized, well, there must be something that I'm either subconsciously doing or consciously doing that I can really um, evaluate and change. And so with the help of an executive coach, Julian Adler, I really was able to identify those weaknesses. And it, it came to one point we were talking in a conversation and then he had said, or I had mentioned, you know, I have this virus and I haven't told anybody. Do you think this might be an issue? And he was just like, yes. You know, the places that we hide things are where 
things are just really going to come out. And so he's like, and there's no reason that, and there that's the reason why you're attracting people who, you know, aren't upfront, who aren't truthful, who aren't expressing their full selves. And let's let's work with that and see. And in the end, I realized if I can do this for myself and um, really build strength within myself, it really doesn't matter if I find a partner or a, a, a love interest or whatever, because in the end, I know that I'm being 100% honest. Mm, I love that. You also say that herpes is a natural filter for partners. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I was dating, I was using a very popular dating site, and I discovered once I had a, had a connection with a person, you know, letting them know that I had the virus and they have them having the choice to be with me or not, I came to a realization in my own strength that if they don't want to be with me, it's okay. They're other people out there. There are other great people. And maybe this just isn't the right relationship for me. They're great guys. They're certainly great on paper, great emotionally, great maturity, but it may not be a perfect fit. And that's always what I end up telling people is that, yeah, they're wonderful, but maybe it's just not the right person. And they'll realize that when they do meet the great person. And Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I've met him now and he's fantastic and he's open and he's honest and he's mature and it's, it's just a, on a completely different level. Beautiful. You explore some common myths about herpes in the book as well. Only promiscuous, dirty people get herpes as one of them. Yes. So that's very common. I would say that that's probably even a stigma that my family, you know, had had shared that they had. And so um, being a professional woman, um, one with many friends and this high education and outreaching out to other people, that we are um, capable of acquiring the virus. And I will tell you that since this book came out, I have actually had multiple, multiple healthcare providers come forward and say, I'm so glad you're writing this. I have herpes too. So it's not just something that uh, occurs to people who are sleeping around with multiple people, you know, and, and all the stigma that comes with that. Absolutely. Uh, And blood tests confirming herpes is also a myth, which I didn't realize you said that it uh, kind of was a standard. But now how do they go about diagnosing? So we've been um, educated uh, from medical school that really the way that you diagnose it is from a culture um, and a culture of a lesion. Um, that presents itself. Um, I will say that there is some um, discussions now of doing blood tests. Um, from a physician perspective, we've really been taught if there is a virus, uh, excuse me, if there is an outbreak, you do a culture. If it's positive, then you have herpes. A blood test does not equate having herpes, even though the test might be positive for the virus. It just means that you've been exposed. But I will tell you that many people who are exposed and never had symptoms are actually the people that I think we should be targeting as a healthcare uh, profession because those are the ones who are going around spreading the virus and so that's really the optimal people that need education. So it's it's a change. And the thing is, is with, with medicine, you know, we need that research behind it and everything. So we're still working on that piece. But technically, based off of what the CDC recommends, it is a viral culture that tests positive is the way that you have genital herpes. That's so interesting because I would definitely want to know if I carried mm-hmm. it and was asymptomatic so that I could potentially, you know, do more to protect a partner or whatever. I mean, it seems reasonable. Exactly. And so that, you know, having herpes and being in the medical profession, I'm really seeing that disjointed aspect of it. And, you know, the difficulty is is that, you know, this grand CDC and medicine and, you know, to change that way is going to take some serious work. And what about 
ulcerations on the rectum. I hadn't heard about that. So is that one of the ways that herpes can present itself? Yeah. So genital herpes can present near the clitoris, um, in the vaginal opening, by the rectum. Some people present one location and then, um, you know, ultimately if they have outbreaks in the future, it's in a different location. So um, really it could be anywhere. So when patients come in and say, I don't know, maybe I was constipated and now I have this, you know, sore, I always on the back of my mind wonder, is this herpes presenting in a different way? Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. And so people who do experience symptoms, do if you have a severe outbreak, does that mean that you will continue to have severe outbreaks? Generally not. Um, they say within the first year of diagnosis is generally uh, when you have the most outbreaks. Um, as time goes on and the body adjusts to having the virus, the outbreaks can become less severe and less frequent. Okay. Or not at all. I've had some people not at all. Hmm, interesting. And the medication that you take, I know at, a, at, at least at a certain point, you were taking medication as preventative mm-hmm. consistently. Is that something that some people do continually forever, or is that something that you would just do for a period? Yeah. So in general, you can either treat just with a specific outbreak. Um, if patients have outbreaks regularly, they usually give the estimate around six a year. You could consider a daily suppression. Um, and so that would be taking medication every day to be able to prevent any um, outbreaks. Um, however, um, I have encouraged it for people who are in sexual relationships and the partner does not have a history of herpes. That would be one reason for someone to take it just to prevent shedding. So it just depends. And sometimes people only do that for one year. Sometimes people do that the rest of their lives because having outbreaks really destroys their lives. And really, it's it's having that that comfort level and where you want to be. Sure. Yeah, which makes complete sense. And are there any kind of downsides to medication? Are there side effects? No, that's really actually the beautiful thing is that there's no resistance. There's no long-term effects. Certainly in patients who have HIV, um, there can be some issues um, with uh, various organs. But in general, it's actually fairly benign and has such a great benefit of treating the virus and future outbreaks. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's great to know. Mm -hmm. Uh, You also talk about a myth about insurance that you can't get tested if you don't have insurance, but there actually are affordable options, right? Correct. I mean, so you can go to, um, well, government-funded clinics um, to be able (laughs) to get that um, uh, um, examination, um, and you can pay out of pocket for that. Um, And I encourage at that point doing others uh, STD screening at the same time. And I hope those stick around. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> all the fingers crossed, all the all the appendages crossed, <laughs> lighting candles. Um, <laughs> uh, and how does herpes affect sex, like the actual act of sex or physical intimacy or in your experience or kind of what you find in patients? Yeah. So I will say that when when having herpes, the most important thing is to not be sexually active when you have an outbreak. That's really important. And so um, this is where sharing with your partner where you're at and what's going on, I think, is important. Um, when you are sexually active and not having an outbreak, you can use condoms, um, which can decrease viral shedding further. Some say up to 50 to 90, 98%. So significant. Um, And but you can have a very full sexual life. Um, There's no limitations. You can hang from the rafters if you want to. You can, (laughs) you know, have it outdoors. It doesn't matter. You can really do everything. I'm just being aware of those certain precautions. Yeah. Yeah. And how long do outbreaks typically last? So it it varies. Um, I will say particularly because some people have a tendency to not want to come in in the beginning. So 
it may last a little bit longer, but generally they say one to two weeks. And with um, the antiviral medications, it can decrease significantly even to just three to five days or so. Mm. Um, I do know some people who feel like when they think they're getting an outbreak, they simply start the treatment and then it's done within one or two days even. Wow, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's great to know. Um, You have this great section uh, what did I do to deserve this? Yeah. And it brings up lots of great points that I'm sure a lot of people wonder about. Um, you talk about kind of what the conversations could look like and protection. Like, for example, if you use protection, you can still get herpes. So what what mm-hmm. do you say about that when someone presents that? Correct. So you can uh, – herpes is spread by skin-to-skin contact from broken skin. So if you happen to, let's say, have a rectal outbreak, condoms will only protect certain areas area. So you still have that skin being available to, to spread the virus. And so in the case of oral, mm-hmm. it's mouth to genitals. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think many people really even, I don't remember learning that at no. all. No. And I mean, it's, 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 you know, we're talking about genital herpes, but you can, there are people who say that they got oral herpes from a grandmother who kissed them on the mouth. You know, it's kind of the same thing. It's just for some reason, once it goes below the belt, it's got this whole different connotation. But yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to that conversation, which maybe you'll have one, maybe you'll have many, many conversations about it with your current partner, future partners, whether it's a doctor. Mm -hmm. What are some tips? You talk about breathing. Mm -hmm. Breathing is a wonderful capability to calm down the heart get you some moment to breathe. I encourage it, whether it's through yoga, meditation, before you have a difficult conversation, um, it really helps to just start from a a lower place. Yeah, I like that. Mm -hmm. Bring yourself into a relaxed state first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And um, being clear. How do you know that you're being clear? So, This can vary for different people. Um, Some people I encourage even to just write something down um, and follow a script because I I find sometimes we have a tendency to lose our place when we're nervous and sweating and, you know, speaking in front of this person that we love or, you know, is uh, someone we care for. Um, And really just stating the facts. I think it's important to just state the facts, whether it's I have herpes, I didn't tell you, or I was just diagnosed, this is what I know, here's some websites. It's it's really about just stating the facts, and then you can dive into the this is what I'm feeling portion. And be powerful. I love this tip. It's it's surprising. Like when you're reading through this list, it's like, wait, I can be powerful and talk to somebody about having herpes? Yeah. So I think it's a lot of um, taking the conversation into your own hands and saying, you know, I have this. I'm still a lovable person and I can stand here and we can work through this together. And I'm not someone to be ashamed of. I'm not someone to run away from. I'm not a horrible monster, um, but I have this skin condition and And some people are afraid of it, but this is who I am and I own it. Mm, I love that. That's great advice for life. Anything. It it applies to anything. I think the the book is specific for herpes because that was my my come to moment. But really, the the book is about anything that we're ashamed of or want to work through. Um, I think it's it's it's. It crosses many different fields. It really does. And one thing that I hear people talk about a lot in the context of herpes is they say, 
oh, it's so common, so you shouldn't be ashamed. It's so common, so why is there stigma? It's so, like, it, because it's common, that's why it's not shameful. Mm-hmm. And when I hear that, I think, well, there are less common STDs that are also not, sh- like, STDs should not be attracting shame or shunning or mm-hmm. bullying or any of that. Yeah, but it always just ends up being in the comedic you know, film, you know, as the funny line that gets the really good laughs and, you know, and nobody corrects it. And and my purpose of this book is to say, you know what, there is a face behind here. There is a person that my friends know, my family know, I am here and, you know, and I'm not being shunned. I'm not being, you know, chased around. You can you can have this virus. You can live openly and you can survive beautifully. Mm, I love that. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to talk a little bit about self-love in general. Yeah. You have a section about self-love boot camp that mm-hmm. has these wonderful suggestions that, again, apply to any kind of experience and whatever you're going through and ways to kind of cultivate confidence and all of that. You talk about trusting your gut. Mm-hmm. Why is that so important? Well, I am a very emotional person. And um, I discovered that I had my own little monitor inside of me that made me realize whenever I have a gut reaction, a gut instinct, I feel nauseous, something doesn't feel right. It usually ends up in my tummy, whether I was taking an anatomy exam, whether I'm dealing with a difficult patient on the floor. Um, And so I just kind of realized there's something to that and that my body is trying to tell me something. And any even relationship where I had kind of a feeling like, oh, what if he's cheating on me? And he was, <laughs> you know, what if, what if, um, you know, this was not the right response? It wasn't. And so really kind of following that and being present in the moment and, you know, stop like managing things, all of a sudden things fell into the right space of where it was supposed to be. I love that. And I love thinking of trusting your instincts as a form of self-care because, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's, I definitely think it is, but we tend to think of it more of just self-protection defense. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, you know, even when people look in a dark alley and they're like, eh, I don't really know. And we follow that instinct. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah, it really is. It really mm-hmm. is. And it's not comfortable to have those red flags go off. Like mm-hmm. it's very easy to talk about trusting your instincts. I think after the fact, and we go like, I'm so glad I trusted my gut because everything finally turned turned out or mm-hmm. I did break up with that guy. Now I'm happy. But when you actually are in that experience and you're like, I'm in a relationship. I really dig this person. Like we're still maybe you feel you love this person and you start having these gut feelings. Mm-hmm. That's really scary. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you, some of my colleagues, my physician colleagues may look at me and say, that is hokey. That is crazy town. You know, that doesn't seem scientifically based. But I will say that there's something to it for me that applies. And, you know, I, I think that there's a strong component in our bodies that really just let us know and align us in the right direction. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think it's really interesting that we talk ourselves out of it. You know, I talk a lot about Gavin DeBecker's book, The Mm -hmm. Gift of Fear, Mm -hmm. which is so amazing. And he talks about how animals react to their instincts immediately. And because we have such high level reasoning skills, Mm -hmm. we will talk ourselves out of it. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I shouldn't feel that way. I shouldn't be sorry. I shouldn't Mm -hmm. move away from this person. I Mm -hmm. shouldn't. Why would I think something so bad about this person who I'm supposed to be nice to? Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think sometimes we don't know the reasons until later. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. And that's okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What are some of your current practices of self-care? 
So um, it really is actually taking time for myself. In the busy practice that I have, it's actually scheduling some time. So whether it's on the weekend, um, just taking an hour, not turning on the TV, not grabbing the phone, but just sitting on my couch and just breathing is really great. Um, I do do yoga every morning before work, and I find that that really gives me a chance to have a shining moment just for myself. Uh, yoga has a wonderful way of, of turning us inwards and focusing and balancing ourselves. And that's what I would encourage. So anybody who um, find something that balances them. That's what I would say. So whether it's taking a nature walk and breathing in some fresh air, whether it's talking to a friend, whether it's getting a manicure pedicure, which I'm a big fan of, um, but I also do things like massages um, and uh, trips to my for myself on spa spa days. So it's really just t- making yourself a priority, making yourself number one. Yeah, it's not selfish. Mm-mm. Like the quote at the beginning that you chose, it, it really isn't. There's a big difference. And it actually can be more selfish to ignore yourself because yeah. you end up hurting not only yourself, but the people you care about. You're not as able to be as productive at the work you do. Well, I think it's a little bit of like uh, when you're in an airplane and they say put on your mask first before you help other people because how can you help other people if you're not you know, taking care of yourself? And so I've, I've really found the impact of that and I found I was able to help multiple patients just by being refreshed and replenished myself. That's so beautiful and mm-hmm. such an important lesson I think we can all learn from. You say in your book, there is a power in letting an experience change us. I'm curious how the experience of having herpes, how has that changed you? So this book actually came about from a particular story um, where I was on a trip um a yoga trip, actually, and I was with other women, and I was the only Filipino uh, person there. I was the only dark-skinned person. Everyone was blonde hair, blue-eyed, and I remember just doing my best to try to just fit in and just wanting to be part of the cool crowd and really just trying to blend. I was trying to blend, and there was a situation, which I talk about in my book, where I finally had the realization I am I am unique and I have a story to tell and I have herpes and I don't know other people that do, but I know that there's underground cities of people who are just looking for an opportunity and a spokesperson and, you know, just just a point to be able to look at. And I just I wanted to be that person because it it, it doesn't exist yet. And so I'd, I'd love to be a person to share that this is a story that exists for a lot of us, um, brings a lot of shame and hiding, and we don't have to. Um, And so that was the big proponent of the book, was just being able to say to the people who don't have herpes, hey, I'm here, look, I am a professional woman, successful, and I have this diagnosis. And to the people who do have herpes, I am a successful business person out here, and we're all surviving. I love it. I love it. I just think it's so brave and beautiful. And the book, again, is called Yes, I Have Herpes. It's a very bold cover. You're on the cover. It's me, my shining face. I'm right there. This is so great. (laughs) I love that you chose to do that. I think it's so powerful. I know it's helping so many. It will continue to help so many. Tell us how, if people would like to contact you, learn more about your work, all that stuff, where can they find you? Yeah, so I have my own personal website, uh, which is www.com dot doctor dr sheila s h e i l a 
Luanzon, L-O-A-N-Z-O-N uh, dot com. Um, but I'm also found on Facebook on my public profile. And that's kind of a uh, microblogging um, of uh, things that just happen throughout my life and how I think it can help people with herpes and people who just who don't have herpes and want some helpful tips to overcome something. Um, and so you can always like me there, follow me on Twitter. Um, and I'm at, uh, Dr. Sheila G Y N, um, and Snapchat. You can kind of see my, uh, day to day activities, um, of the fun things that I'm doing. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. It's thank been you, such August. a treat. Thank you. If you all are enjoying girl boner radio, I hope you'll stop by augustmclaughlin.com or girlboner.org for extras and a whole lot more. I hope you'll also subscribe on iTunes if you haven't yet and leave a simple review while you're there. Thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.